Hey y'all, welcome to Seducated, the podcast fusing business, lifestyle, and marketing, giving you real perspective and inspiration to help feed your entrepreneurial soul. Our podcast is dedicated to helping you succeed in your business through empowerment and growth. We will publish a new podcast twice a month produced by SEG Media Collective and recorded right in the fellow co-working space in the Little Apple of Manhattan, Kansas. And I'm your educated host, Sheila Ellis Glasper and the owner of SEG Media Collective. Let's get started. Okay, welcome to our second episode of Seducated. We are so excited to have a very special guest with us today, uh, Josh Hicks. He is the owner of The Fellow Co-working Space in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, the Fellow is also very special to us because that is where our office is out of. And The Fellow has really helped us to grow our business from starting out as a freelancer, just needing an open desk space, from moving to growing a team in the space and um, now having a private space within the fellow. And so we're super excited to have Josh on the podcast with us today. And we'll just go ahead and get to it. So Josh, how are you doing this afternoon? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is really fun. Uh, I'm on my ninth cup of coffee today. And it's uh, almost the end of the day. So I'm doing much better now than I have been today. Awesome. Well, we will just go ahead and kind of jump into some of the questions that yeah. we have for you. And so the very first thing is, uh, Josh, just tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, when did you decide that the entrepreneurial lifestyle was for you? Yeah, definitely. So that's a loaded question. Um, there was never, I guess the easiest way is there was never an aha moment, but there was uh, dating way back to when I was in high school, early middle school. Um, some endeavors that led to kind of understanding the lifestyle and the freedom of working for yourself and not having a boss, all of those things that were really exciting at age 13, 14, 15. Um, and the first, the first endeavor, a friend and I, you know, the classic, get the lawnmowers out, go make a ton of summer money uh, mowing lawns. And then I started my business that I still do now um, when I was 16 and 17 for profit I uh, started doing weddings and engagements commercial work it just says 17 16 and then yeah. 17 for profit that's a quick and so yeah that's going on eight years now eight yeah 25 just turned 25 so I'm um, still doing that and uh, there's been two or three other endeavors since then so yeah, just kind of a slow, my dad is a small business owner, my grandpa is a small business owner, dad runs his company, um, I was raised around four or five other guys who are all CEO level, founder level from childhood on. So it's something that I've always grown up in and there was never like a, I'm going to quit nine to five and do this. It's just been my whole life. So That is awesome. Yeah. Well, you've been born and raised around bosses. So yeah. it's no surprise that you became your own boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Okay. Well, I'll guess a follow-up question to that is why did you decide to start the fellow? Yeah. So the fellow was one of the more kind of calculated decisions for starting it, not in numbers and finances and all of that, but it was more about the why 
time and and my now wife she was a girlfriend at that point we were both photographers working from home and we just really felt the isolation factor of working from home and editing from home meeting clients at coffee shops and just realizing that there's got to be a way to solve that problem and so we gathered about eight or ten other photographers in town and we called like a little town hall meeting on a Sunday night in a coffee shop and we said this is what we struggle with do you as well and they all said yes so then we just started to really create the model we didn't know co-working existed <laughs> this is um this is September of 2015 had no idea co-working existed and we uh, had those every Sunday night and we said you know obviously fast wi-fi maybe a shared conference room a shared photo studio because it was all artists to start with and then uh, we got to a point where we thought and we heard from them that they had other people that could use it so the vision got bigger and we said bring back two friends next time so then our group got all the way up to 30 people that did web design all kinds of freelance work and so then we started adding all the amenities like business mail and a cafe, coffee, all of that stuff. Um, and it wasn't until Christmas of 2015, we were back in my wife's hometown and her brother was a member of a co-working space in South Dakota. So we're sharing this idea and we're like, this is, we're going to open this. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have so much fun. And he said, I'm a member of one of those. And we kind of just took a big deep breath because we didn't have to reinvent the wheel anymore because uh, we were creating everything, the value, the amenities, just all grassroots by ourselves with our 30 people that we were meeting with. And so from there, it just spiraled downhill of let's bring people together who all struggle with the same workplace habits from home and let's solve that problem. So that's really the whole reason we started it. It was we, we knew we were not going to make money. We weren't in it for any of that. We were just, we wanted to work together and spend our days together instead of alone at home. So that's really, that's it. There was no big, this is what we're going to do. So That's really awesome. Um, the isolation that you talk about is definitely something that I went through from moving from my traditional job as an employee and then moving into starting my own business, I started at home as a single freelancer. Yep. And uh, yeah, there you get distracted. You're totally. like, oh, maybe I should take a nap because I can. <laughs> or, oh, I need to do laundry. Or let me start dinner and all this stuff that happens. And then you get sucked in and then you wonder what happened to your day. You wanted to be more productive. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's definitely a huge problem for freelancers mm -hmm. that you're solving. Um, well, another question we had was, just how do you think the fellow helps businesses to be able to scale and grow? Yeah. Um, the easiest way to describe that is just our, our co-working model. And, and really the co-working model at large is affordable space. And so um, we've taken that, that concept of, of affordable space and really added as much value, amenities, and benefits that we can into that and so what we've seen with our co-working community is really this um, it's more than just a place to work which is what a lot of co-working spaces are it's a desk come get work done um, but the ability to connect 
members to one another and connect members to the community. And it just creates this synergy of resources um, through our members, through my role as a community manager here um, to really help our businesses here grow in whatever ways they need. So um, I know of 10 business consultants, 10 marketing companies, 10 this, that, and another. So I can just be pointing them to one another. And uh, I think that's the unique thing that the fellow has, has become through our members. Um, it's just this place that's affordable and sustainable. That's, that's where it all starts is um, can you come in and pay a lower price for all of this value and grow at the pace that you need to grow for your own company to be um, sustainable and not have to go rent a thousand dollar office and go the other way and then uh, be charging, paying so much money that everything's going downhill. We're trying to start at the bottom and work everyone up together. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. There's a stat, um, that in the first five years, you know, a small business will close mm -hmm. because it's very hard to sustain your business and be able to scale and, and grow, um, and meet the demands of your yeah. business. And there's just poor planning sometimes of, um, with the scaling. And so one of the major expenses a business can have is the space, yeah. you yep, know, totally. to be able to work in and, and meet in and grow in. And so you're solving a big problem there. Um, the next question we have is kind of, what do you think, um, why do you think co-working is important for business development and just the overall economy, business economy? Yeah. Um, I really like thinking about this a step earlier where, thinking about how the employees and the business owners um, work habits improve in a co-working space. And in turn, when, when that gets healthier, when you're more productive, when you want to come to work in a co-working space, that in turn businesses thrive and they grow, which then creates better business development um, in an economy. So with all of that said, there's also a stat that says by 2020, 40% of the workplace will be a gig economy. So what that is, is obviously freelance, independent contractors. Um, it's a job here, job there, short-term engagements, not a long-time role. So those people are mobile. Those people uh, move around. They're here for a week, gone, here for a month, gone. Um, and need flexible space. So co-working is that. It's flexible. It's 24-7. It has all of the amenities um, for someone to fit that profile to a T. All the web designers, freelancers, marketers um, in a flexible space. So when you put all of that together, then you get, um, for Manhattan anyways, you get a stronger business community, um, someone who is supportive in a, in a community that's supportive kind of on that front, not just big businesses, big box stores, um, kind of making room through co-working for those people and in turn better business development and it all spirals downhill. But I think you got to start with those, those three things first. So. That's awesome. Um, can you describe a time when you faced a fairly big challenge at the fellow and how did you overcome that? Yeah. 
There's been a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of big ones, specifically for for being the first co-working space to start in Manhattan. Um, you're kind of paving the way and really making a lot of people think outside the box with co-working, with the new model um, in Manhattan. And so definitely the startup phase, the first year, year and a half, um, it was, it was the first six months, I guess, was the hardest struggle because we would use the word co-working and no one knew what it meant in Manhattan. No one had, not no one, but a few select people have been in a co-working space. So we had to kind of take a step back and think about how we're using that term and just get people in the space. We, we threw, we threw about 300 events in the first year um, to get people in. That was about 35 to 4,000 people we, we tracked through the space in the first 12 months. And that was just for people to get in and then tell them what co-working was. Wow. So we did just any kind of event, live music, workshops, anything. And so that was a really big struggle. It still is a struggle today, actually, um, to, to help people understand what co-working is. But the startup... The brick and mortar startup is real. Um, the build out, um, how to get capital, how to all of these things um, to start a business when you're when it's your first brick and mortar business is really really hard. So I don't know how we made it through it honestly, um, but I know we're still going because we have members, and so we we've got that far, and so we didn't have members we we wouldn't still be here so that's awesome um well you're kind of talking about the challenges that you had in in the beginning within the first six months um so this question kind of related to that your challenges and how old is the fellow now it will be two years this month it's uh it's, it's 19 months mm -hmm. old so two years next month no, okay. 23. I'm really good at math. Yes, yes. I know I saw April. the two-year celebration yes. on Facebook. Yeah. April is two years, and today's March. See, I don't even know what day it is. Uh, yeah, it could be a blur, right? It is. It is. So two years old next month. Wow. So that's an accomplishment um, to be two years old. Um, I remember when I was still working at K-State, you reached out or maybe you reached out or maybe one of your partners at the time yeah. reached out on LinkedIn to yeah, me yeah. and you guys were really like canvassing the area, trying to find like freelancers and people like that. And little did you guys know that I was getting ready to start yeah. my own thing. Cause on my LinkedIn, it just reflected my current job role totally. at the and you time. Worked at State. Yeah. That was totally me. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if I go back in my LinkedIn, yep. it was probably you. And then when I jumped off on my own to do this business and then I, um, came over to look at the place and everything. I was a little bit intimidated by the price, even though now that I'm in it, I'm like, whoa, that's this amazing price, mm -hmm. right? But when you're first starting out, you know, you kind of think that's an extra expense. Do I really need that? Can I just bear down and do the work from home and not need to spend that yeah. extra? Well, it's only $150 on a membership. Yeah. And so not that I didn't see the value, I definitely saw the value, but then I kind of thought, I could use that $150 a month for totally. something else in yep. my business. Well, you see where I'm at now. Yep. And yep. so yep. I definitely came around. So yeah. what do you do to kind of like 
when you get somebody that comes in and they're kind of just like, yeah, they're like on the fence about it because it's a new concept and, but you definitely see that they could benefit from it. Yeah. First of all, that's really funny that you remember that. I I don't, but I totally remember now. I'm sure you sent a lot of LinkedIn, Facebook tweets, all of that. I made sure they looked like they were um, nice people. So (laughs) I'm really glad that you remember that. And it's really funny to be across the table from you now and and remember that. But um, so everyone gets a first day free. And so that's kind of my, my push at the end if they haven't understood it yet. And so... When someone comes in, I give them a tour and I show them everything, the, the benefits, the amenities, the value, and almost everyone signs up before they leave. So um, maybe you were, you were just a little bit, you know, more tense. And so I, I had to, I, I just cheap. had to, I had to let you go. I had to let you go out and then, and then hear some She'll more about back. the fellow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we offer a first day free so everyone can put their hands on it. Um, Try the coffee, the Wi-Fi, meet some other members and see if it's, if it's a for real thing. Important. Yeah. And it's good coffee. <laughs> and so I really just try and, first of all, pinpoint what they do and what we have here that might be able to help them. And so I try and connect them with someone who is a similar industry or a similar employee. And I try and help them meet someone that is similar to them. And that usually makes a connection. Um, some people come in and they say, I've been hearing about the fellow for almost two years now, and now I'm ready. And so I say, well, you're still welcome, and uh, there's a spot for you. So really just try to show them why they need to make that commitment. Like, like you were saying, you could spend that money somewhere else. It's really hard to sometimes make business decisions um, from that higher level view. So. Trying to help them see. And a lot of us freelancers, we're not budgeting that space. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Within our budgets, or even when you're starting out, uh, there's a lot of things you don't budget for that you should budget for. And this is definitely a line item that should be in every freelancer's budget, I think, for their business. And so I think that's pretty much the stuff that I had. And Andres, I will let you kind of take over from here introduce myself and go ahead and ask my questions. All right, well, um, my name's Andres Rivas. I'm an intern here at SCG Media Collective. And so, I mean, this, this whole co-working space thing is so new to me because I've never, coming from Southwest Kansas, where <laughs> the closest big town is Wichita, three and a half hours away, or Denver, four hours away, we don't have things like this. <laughs> so it's really crazy to just, like, think about it. And one question I had for you, Josh, was, I mean, just I guess just imagine a scenario where you have two competing businesses, businesses, whether it's like a coffee shop or it's a marketing company or whatever it may be. What, what do you do in that situation? Like, how do you go about, you know, working with them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at the, at the very first kind of thought of that question is that our co-working space is open to everyone and that, mm the value and the benefits can apply to everyone. And so just because two people from the same industry in a small, you know, market like Manhattan, 60,000 people can seem like competition. Um, there's still 3,800 square feet in the building <laughs> yeah. to work in different areas or 
invite your clients in on different sides. I've never really thought about it, honestly. I've never, mm-hmm. it's never crossed my mind. Um, and looking in the membership, there's probably a few people who do this, do the same thing. Um, and our friends, they, okay. they share the space. And um, at the end of the day, they have these kind of clients. And I think if anything, it might push them towards bettering their businesses because they have to yeah, differentiate. They, kind of, they could see that direct competition, yeah. see like, oh, my competitor over there in their offices yeah. is having people come through every half hour. I have yeah, to yeah. bump my numbers yeah, up to totally. kind of compete Which with Which is them. a good thing because yeah. that helps everyone. That's so. that, that friendly competition you see yeah. there going on. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it would be a bad thing. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you talked about earlier, you mentioned how your dad was a small business owner, yeah. your family, basically, you've had that entrepreneurial spirit from the beginning, yeah. from the get-go. And, you know, you talked about photography and a couple of your other endeavors. What else do you think you'd be doing if you weren't where you are now? Yeah. I mean, I know it's kind of like an open-ended <laughs> question where I could be doing anything, yeah. you know, obviously, but really what other passions do you have for yourself? I mean, your photography, obviously, yeah. but what really could you see yourself doing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I forget to think about that a lot. I, my, <laughs> my wife uh, encourages me every day to think bigger, have goals, dream. Yeah. And, uh, it's usually really hard to see past tomorrow. And I don't know if that's because I love what I'm doing so much right now, mm-hmm. or if that's kind of a fear of, I don't know what I would do next. <laughs> um, I know one thing that I would want to focus on um, and kind of a place that I've gotten to is using all of my skills, um, being through entrepreneurship and photography and film and, and just really storytelling and connecting people, communities um, would be. Um, helping nonprofits and um, entrepreneurs in other countries. So um, Africa has yeah. a really big spot in my wife and I's heart. And we would someday, we do hope to go over there, live with the locals um, and help new businesses and entrepreneurs in um, communities and countries that aren't as privileged as mm. America. Um, and give everything we have, all of our skills, all of our talents, all, all of our no- knowledge to help um, empower people to make their communities better. Um, we've both spent time there. We've traveled there. We've done work there. And uh, maybe sometime we'll spend a few years there and do that. Okay. So Africa especially holds a really special mm-hmm. place in yeah. your heart. That's, yeah, yeah. That's really admirable to be doing things like that. Like you said, go and you know, the talents you've accumulated in you know, mm-hmm. the privileged place of America were... Yeah you get to, you know, grow these things and now you're going to go and share them with the world. Yeah, that's, for that's sure. Really cool. Um, I know you kind of touched on it a bit, a little bit earlier, but could you, go, could you go a little more in depth about how co-working space, like I said, from back home, you have your offices, if you're a business, and if you're a freelancer, you either work at the one coffee shop we had yeah, in yeah. town. Uh, and gardens, gardens, uh, their size is about 20,000, wow. 20,000 people. So it's, it's real, relatively small. Yeah. So you either work at the coffee shop or you work for home if you're, you know, a freelancer or an entrepreneur or anything. So how do you think that places like the fellow and other co-working spaces of kind of the benefits they have rather than like a traditional office space? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the biggest benefits in the, in the two different, um, comparing those two side by side would mm-hmm. be um, community. That's, that's the biggest, the biggest one there there's kind of this invisible barrier in co-working spaces where 
Um, I'm allowed to approach this person back in the cafe with coffee um, or I'm not like yeah. I can, I can engage or I don't have to where traditional office it's, it's, I see these people every day and that turns into almost um, dreading, you know, sometimes like <laughs> yeah, the, sometimes. Whole, the whole office drama, mm-hmm. we don't have that in, co- in, in our co-working space. And so really the, the flexibility and the, um, just the way you can interact in a co-working space is up to you. You can come or you don't have to come. Mm-hmm. You can engage with other members or you don't have to engage. Um, so th- that's kind of the, the quickest one. We go out to lunch together as members. We support each other. We throw birthday parties. We throw <laughs> um, going away parties even. And so the other benefits I would say is the flexibility. Um, so you can come. We have a few guys that come and work through the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got here this morning and there was a member at his desk working and it was <laughs> yeah. seven in the morning. I said, did you just come in? And he said, no, I came in at 11 o'clock last night. <laughs> yeah. And so the flexibility of just using it whenever you want, however you want. We say, when you come in with your 24-7 access, turn the lights on, act like it's your house, and then leave and go home. And so the idea of ownership within all of that mm. compared to a traditional office is you're going to work in someone else's area, as in the company's area or the yeah. boss's area. And so we kind of flip all that around and say, this is your space. This isn't my space. This isn't the fellow space. This space is here for you. And so... Um, that's what I would have to say about that. So kind of in a sense, a fellow belongs to its members. Totally. Like you said, rather than like a traditional office space where you go and you're working for whatever big name company and you're coming here and you're renting your little spot rather than here where it is like you get that homey feel. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about where you feel like you can approach somebody yeah. if you want to. I mean, I've had a couple of people come up to me. Oh, what do you do? Or I've done that myself. Or sometimes the people are loners. You want to be left yeah. alone for that day. You kind of get a get out of it what you want. Totally. And the fellow is its members Mm -hmm. and if you think about a traditional office the employees are held to that space and so if this building went away i would like to think we're all going to storm a coffee shop and work together (laughs) or like come over to my basement and we'll make an office yeah Yeah. (laughs) whereas if an office closed all of its employees would go find another job yeah i see what you're saying i I do Really, really feel, and I appreciate that the community yeah. that's here, where everybody's kind of has each other's back in a kind of sense of a way, totally. where we kind of help each other out. I know I for came sure. in one time late to do some studying for a class that I needed to, and they're like, "Oh, do you need help making the coffee? Do you need me nice. to show you how?" And that's I was awesome. like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's sweet. Like, oh, we're just having a good time. Let us know if we're keep if we're too loud." I was like, "No, you guys are you guys are getting me pumped up to go nice. you know, go sit here and study out for a couple hours and awesome. hopefully do my test." Well, unfortunately. Was got moved to a later date, so I pulled an all night nice. for no reason. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I stayed up studying for a test that got moved and didn't study for my test that another test I had later that night. So you know, we all make mistakes. But <laughs> it's very appreciative that you have that twenty four seven access. So like yeah. I, I know you and Sheila both uh, touched on it. At home, you can just be like, "Man, I got to do laundry." Yep. You know, I have like three articles of clothing in my laundry basket, but I got to do laundry. I got to vacuum my floor. I have to clean my room. I got to do this. And then next thing you know, you spent four hours not getting your work done. Mm-hmm. Or Netflix or, and Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I'm completely honest. Right? I put the TV on like, you know what? It's background noise. And yeah. next thing I know, I'm four episodes deep and totally. it's 1 a.m. And <laughs> totally. Yeah. So here it's, I really, you feel like you have that homey feeling, but yet you know it's a place to get work done. For sure. More so than a coffee. 
copper or something else like that where it's just really really great and i love this co-working space awesome you know, thank I you wish something back home something <laughs> like this so. maybe someday maybe someday yeah that's awesome i mean i don't do you have uh, any other questions sheila Did we kind of ask about the expansion part? Mm. I think there may be a question that I skipped. And if you're wondering, Josh, I'm just on Instagram Live and we only have like <laughs> no pressure. That's all right. Um, but I went on Instagram Live instead of Facebook Live because I would, if I went on Facebook, we would have definitely have some viewers. Going on. I'm trying to build our Instagram yeah, stuff good. up a little bit. So we're going to ask you just kind of like, what are your plans for expansion? For the fellow in the future, I know that you have more space available here mm -hmm. with the basement and everything like that. So there are times, yeah, there's a basement, and there are times where you can't find a parking spot because mm -hmm. you today, have to park like there was yeah, no way to park today. You have to park like next door, and I will say that just being in the fellow here even adds a layer of professionalism mm -hmm. as a freelancer. Um, moving in, even for me as a freelancer, but then as a small agency as we're growing. I mean, when you invite your clients to come here for a meeting instead of, I mean, what we were doing before was we would have to always go to their office mm -hmm. and not everybody's office is conducive for an actual conference brainstorming meeting with the environment for us to like, let's sit down and do work. Yeah. The clients get um, distracted by the phone and other things like that. So it's difficult, but every single client that we've brought into the fellow, they're very impressed. We give yeah. them a tour and then I think it just adds a layer of legitimacy to your business even to show like, hey, we're investing in our business by being a part of this community and having space, yeah. you know, yeah. for you um, and for our clients. And so even that kind of helps spread the word a little bit. But back to the question, yeah. as far as the expansion plans, what are the plans for the fellow that you can share with us? Yeah, that's that right. There's the bottom line, what I can share. Um, there's, there's lots of dreams and plans, um, but you know, in the industry, all of the, the spaces that are expanding, they're either opening another location or they're centralizing everything and making um, a jump in space times three or times four. So right now we have 3,800 square feet and it feels full most days. Um, so I think if I was to dream a little bit and think about kind of the next steps, I would fall somewhere in, in line with maybe a multi-level building and make it so kind of what you're talking about of how you can scale up. Um, right now we have, we scale, uh, you scaled from an open desk to a, a shared office and then maybe even a private office. After you outgrow that private office, you're going to have to go in Manhattan, find a bigger space, which gets really expensive. So, um, you know, not to mention like taxes yeah. and little things like that that you don't have to pay. And here. then you're, I mean, you're going to have to go get a receptionist and mail and coffee and all that on your own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're yeah. trying to think about, you know, some of the other models in the industry of a multi level um, scale them from ground zero all the way up to the, you know, if I need a 10 person office, it will be in the building. So you don't have to ever go away and we can just stay friends forever. Um, so, yeah, we don't know about downtown or Aggieville or the West Side, um, but definitely in the next couple of years, we would love to see two, three, four-story building with um, 30, 40,000 square feet, honestly, 20 offices, five conference rooms, podcast rooms, phone booths, um, 
everything in one where you can come in um, almost at the incubator level. I just have a business idea and I want to get started and then level them up all the way to full scale business and not have to leave the building um, with full blown everything, business consultants, everything um, in house as add-ons. And it's really becomes this ecosystem in one building um, with other parties, you know, chamber incubators, makerspace. And really um, what that starts to do is creates even more of a sense of community because it's more fostered around growth and what Manhattan needs. You can go down the office and meet with someone who's just starting out in business and share advice to them. You can go the other way down the office and meet with a CEO of a company that has 100 employees and they're headquartered in the same building. And so then you start to get, I mean, way next level of what can be possible. Yeah, speaking of that, at that point, do you think it would be good for the fellow to start maybe like a mentorship program at that point? Yeah. Like you said, where you have, where you're at that 40,000 space where you have like, you know, 10, 20 person conference rooms and you have somebody at the incubator level. Do you totally. think that'd be something that would be beneficial to the co-working space in general? Totally, yeah. Mentorships, um, some of the, the people in town that have really built big, big businesses come in and do mentorships, internships, work with the university a lot. Um, and that all drives Manhattan forward. So, but say I think university would be great because other other than this internship, I really didn't know the the fellow existed. I mean, I I, I live over here on the west side of town. Yeah. I, I had a friend one time who put in like a photo for like an art gallery. I think you held here nice. one time about a year ago during but, our three hundred events in one year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it was exactly. And so it's just interesting. I said to think that getting I think getting the students involved, especially yeah. like the entrepreneurship program at K State, the business. I don't know how many times I see kids like holding their own little impromptu meetings sure. in the little business offices yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that'd be a great way to go to, you know, start the mentorship there and let yeah. them see that. Especially like you said, what did you say by 2020, 45% of the jobs yeah. or 40% are going to be just different than what they are now. Yep. I know since I've been in college in my time, you see that the job I'm probably going to have or go for once I graduate wasn't an idea four or five years ago. Sure. So I think really getting the, you know, getting to those kids and saying, hey, you don't have to do this. The traditional nine to five, you wake up, show up to that office. Yep. You, there's places like this where either you can do it yourself or you can have people show you how to do it. I think that'd be, that's really great and beneficial to go that route. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's something that we've continued to work on. I was at K-State for one semester um, in the entrepreneurship business college mm -hmm. and um, Students are such in their own world on campus. It's like, I don't even know there is a real world out there. And so um, bridging that gap, how do we, how do we bridge that? And so um, being able to work with K-State and the Entrepreneurship College there to be able to start something in-house mm -hmm. and um, bridge that so we can do internships and mentorships here in Manhattan. So um, students don't have to go back home to Kansas City to get a job or yeah. the lifestyle they want. We can do that in Manhattan. We can, we can grow that here. And it really starts with more um, attention on the younger business culture. It's not, it's not you have to go work for this big company in another city. You can, you can start one here. Yeah, and I, so, I said, I think it's really great because I know, especially as I near my graduating point, I've been blessed to have opportunities like, like this where, you know, I kind of get to see the real world. But as I talk to my friends, they don't have that. They yeah. are just deathly afraid 
of like, what do I do when I graduate? You know, I'm applying to these jobs, but I don't know how to be a fully functioning adult yet. Totally. And how to do these things. I mean, like, like I, I, I still have friends now who don't even know how to do their own laundry. Or Luckily wake them, up. Yeah, they live, you know, or, with mom and dad in Manhattan or locally in Kansas City. Or and they wake drive up, up before lunch. Yeah, exactly. You know, where they don't know other than ramen noodles and the frozen dinners. They don't know how to do these things. Luckily, my dad put me through the gauntlet as a, as a third grader. He goes, I'm going to show you how to do laundry, wash dishes, you know, do food. I don't want you to rely on anybody nice. when you grow up. I want to be able to be, you know, self-sufficient. But I have friends who don't have, who have a handles opportunities. They don't know how to really go into, like you said, there's that gap between high school and, you know, pre-adult life to quasi-adult life at a college level. And then there's that, like, the giant just gap right there between where they go into the real world. Totally. Yeah. So I said, I think it'd be great, like, get, like, essentially maybe, like, a pipeline from yep. K-State to them come here and kind of get to experience it with people who are, you know, doing doing it in real yeah, life. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of advice that can be given and shared. So that's a great thought. Yeah, that's good. I, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, Andres, because that was one of the things that I wanted to ask specifically is how how is the fellow kind of working with, since we are in a college town, yep. how is the fellow kind of working with the university and in particular, so you answered that, but I'm kind of wondering in particular, what was that transition like from mm -hmm. going from being a full-time K-State student um, where you're kind of sheltered in your own little K-State community world as a student um, and then jumping full force into entrepreneurship? I know you had your photography business, yeah. so, you know, but that was definitely different for you to open up a brick and mortar and mm -hmm. then be responsible for that. What was your transition like? Yeah. From, you know, being a student to now, I mean, what, how old were you when you opened up the fellow? You're 25 mm. now. So what, you were 23, 22? 22 when we started brainstorming, 23 when the doors opened. Yeah. So what was that transition like for you? Yeah. So um, I was a more full-time photo company, part-time student. And so... I, I've never been studious, um, just never have been. And so I transferred from Fort Hayes. So if we back up, graduated high school in 2011, went to Fort Hayes State for two years studying art um, with an emphasis in photography and was already doing full-time weddings, um, engagements, got to fly around to um, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, did a wedding on the beach in Dominican Republic. Like I, I was full-time photo, part-time student. <laughs> Um, and so, um, when I transferred to K-State for entrepreneurship, that's where I, yeah, okay, so I'm doing full-time business. I need to learn some more about that. So let's transfer to that. And when I got here, um, there was a local entrepreneur who guest taught intro to entrepreneurship and he's a successful businessman here in town. And there was about five of us who dropped out, didn't drop out. We took a pause and started, and all five of us went to start on separate companies. And so the transition was kind of, again, it wasn't by myself, it was with others. And it was, it was coming from really focusing on photography first and saying, I want to do this or another business um, right now. And so it was, I took six months off from um, school and before we started the fellow and really um, focused hard on the photography, shot 30, 35 weddings a year. Um, in a 12, 14 different states, a couple countries, got to travel. And that's kind of when it all clicked of, 
Uh, I want to do this with other people. And so the tra transition was, um, it was kind of scary now, honestly, thinking back, like we were all sitting in class and um, just realized like this, this isn't for us right now, um, but scary to, you know, let your parents down, school loans, we're not going to finish, we're not going to have that piece of paper. Um, and I just kind of went for it um, because I, I just felt like I was supposed to do that. And so I took the, took the leap, took the jump and yeah, young and didn't really think it through fully, but um, I guess just looking back now that it, it has worked. And if it, if it failed and didn't work, I would have went back to school and finished, but um, that's kind of where I'm at now. So. That's what's up. I mean, I think every entrepreneur has that defining moment. You have to just make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, I think we were, talking about Gary V earlier, but he kind of talks about, you know, this age, like in your twenties is really the time where you have the most flexibility to be able to try these things totally. out and go full force for your dreams and, you know, not wait until you're in your thirties or forties when it's more difficult and you have more baggage and yeah. life and everything like that. It's easier to back out of things. Um, so kudos to you for yeah. making that jump <laughs> for sure. And I just had a couple other things here um kind of as we were talking and so i kind of want to know what business advice would you give yourself five years ago knowing hmm. all that you've kind of been through now yeah. with the fellow and with your photography business if you were to kind of go back to your your 25 now your 20 year old self yeah um with the experience you have now what would you give yourself as advice yeah oh i would focus a lot more on my why I think the start start with your why there's books and, and speakers about it mm -hmm. but um when I was 20 and it really you're not even fully developed so you're just making decisions like you're just trying anything that would stick and so now coming through several business endeav endeavors and nonprofits and stuff it's looking back um the why the fellow we started with the why we wanted to bring people together we wanted to, to bring a community of people together and and that's really starting to shine through. And so seeing how important it was to start with that instead of just thinking there needs to be a co-working space, we started with, we want to bring these people together. And so starting with your why, I think is really, really important. Um, and I guess I would, I mean, really that. And, and uh, I haven't, a, a piece of advice I would give is, is don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Um, and I, I lived that advice out. I, I, um, a lot of people are going to say it won't work or, or you can't do it. Um, but there's something inside of you that, that knows that, um, and don't do it for the money. Um, do it for something bigger and more important than that. So those are a few things. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the like last question I was going to ask yeah. you kind of, um, answered that a little bit, but if there's any further advice that you could give, um, the listeners on, yeah. Just how to tackle your dream. I mean, what is some advice you can give people? Like, what do you do? Like, a lot of people kind of get stuck in that fear mode and they can't make that jump yep. that you were talking about. And I, I know in our past, um, our first episode, we kind of talked about making that jump and making that leap. Um, we kind of say it 
we say it because we've already been through totally. it and we did yep. it. And so we're just like, yeah, you just make the jump. You just got to make the jump. Well, when you're in that moment and you're scared and then there's money and all these things involved, totally. what advice do you give people that, that they just need that push like mm-hmm. to make that jump? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny just thinking back to that moment again of the fear, um, deciding to stop classes and go full time um, business was, uh, it was really hard. And so there's something inside of us where there's something behind that fear that needs to come out. And so for, for us who are entrepreneurial and want to start businesses and new movements and new innovations, um, it's, it's grabbing that out, that passion and that, um, just that piece that says, I know it's going to work no matter what I'm going to give it my all, um, no matter what. And so just grabbing that out and, um, bringing that to life, uh, is really, really the biggest piece of advice because, um, again, the world is loud, uh, you know, and they're going to say it's not going to work. It won't work. So in all of that, you know, making some calculated decisions, um, we reached out to people who might want a co-working space before we ever got a building. We started with bringing people together. We asked them what they wanted. And we, we did some research and surveys. We didn't know that's what you're supposed to do, but we just started with the people that we wanted to serve and um, created it that way. So it wasn't this, this big thought of, uh, we think it's going to go work. Let's buy a building and start. Which there is a lot of people that think that, and and I would have when I was like younger. You build it, and they come, and they which won't. Is so <laughs> old school to even think that yes, anymore. Yes, and so so make a few of those calculated decisions. Ask for help. I am just now getting to a point where I ask for help in relationships, marriage, business. Like uh, I tried to do it all myself, and and that leads to burnout. Um, everything, your body burns out, your mind burns out your passion burns out so make a few calculated decisions don't chase the money don't start because of money um start because of your passion 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 and so at the end of all of that um one of my favorite lines i'm on right now uh in a, in a book is by bob goff who is a lawyer turned author turned um just an amazing guy who's doing a lot of good stuff in the world is be secretly incredible and tell no one so putting that in perspective the idea that the entrepreneur is um, the one who creates his his success and that is filled with pride and i'm this and i'm that and really leads to burnout as well so i'm in this place that is so fun to just try and and do the best I can for who I'm serving in whatever business and not sharing um, the smallest or biggest of ways of someone has a problem, um, giving them a free month, giving them something to make it right. And then don't go share that. Just, just love and serve the people where you're at in whatever business. And it's all going to come back 10 times. And so just thinking about um, just trying to be awesome and not telling anyone. And so it's been really fun. I feel like you, I love that because I feel like you totally embody that because 
just getting to know you in this time that we've been working here at the fellow, I really feel like that's Josh, like that line. That you yeah. So I love, I love that. And so I guess we'll just end on that note, yeah. unless you have anything else, Josh, no, I think not. you poured out a lot of wisdom and a lot of nuggets um, for the listeners to really grasp onto yeah. as they're on their entrepreneurial journey. And so we thank you for being part of the show and we're excited for more episodes of Seducated. And so that's it guys.